Hey everybody, welcome back to Podcast of the Gundam Heroes. Uh, we are doing episodes 22 to 25 of Turn A Gundam today, and this will definitely explain everything and no one will get interrupted. <laughs> there... Mm. I laughed very hard during today's episodes. They were very good, but there was one moment in particular that I was just like, okay, you can't do it that on the nose, my God. <laughs> yeah, right when they try to start explaining things, people just get interrupted, and it's unfortunate. <laughs> it's the weirdest <laughs> thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll just jump right on into it. Uh, episode 22, we get a brief recap of the Diana War Hospital Adventure Time um, and how she's working really hard to make herself feel like she's doing the right thing on Earth. doesn't matter anymore. Uh, title of this one is called <laughs> Harry's Trouble, and uh, I like this episode. Oh, this sure is an episode. Because it's a uh, Harry-focused. So Yeah, so it's good. Yeah. <laughs> Surprising no one. Uh, so the begins with the Samoon MP breaking into the, some civilian's house on the moon. Um, everybody apparently is like leaving these uh, civilian camps from the moon. And like the moon MP are talking about how this makes like the 30th couple or whatever. And like there's a bunch of other moon civilians just watching. So, yeah, like, it turns out the, the civvies are defecting. Yeah, like they're not getting like the support of their government. And they decide like, hey, you know, this bread thing, this is real cool. So they're leaving. Love so, bread town. Yeah. Um, so we cut over to the Solaris cafeteria. Moran is sitting there eating lunch and Phil shows up and talks to him. And they start talking about how the moon civilians are defecting because, you know, the same thing we just talked about. Um, they kind of are trying to play it down so other civilians won't notice so they don't have, like, mass mutiny on their hands. Um, it comes up that they're kind of running out of rations and supplies since, like, things from the moon are being delayed. And so Phil asks for permissions to handle it himself, but Moran just kind of walks away because he knows what that means. <laughs> Phil wants to do more war crimes. <laughs> I mean, do what you know, I guess. Um, <laughs> Key Hill, who is again dressed as Princess Diana, Queen Diana, um, and Harry are talking. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I mean, ki- kind of. Kind of. So yeah, Phil uh, wants to go blow up some of the, all the things the militia are digging up as like a deterrent to prevent the moon civilians from going to the militia side. But of course, Phil and uh, or of course Harry and uh, Key Hill are against it. Um, because, you know, he wants to use it as a message, whatever. Um, they start talking about the other Keyhill. Um, Keyhill, who is a Diana here, uh, tells Harry to go do the mission they talked about earlier. And, like, he's like, listen, I have to come and protect you because you're the only one you can, can trust or whatever. But, like, she just wants him to go get it because she doesn't know what's happening to Diana currently. But it comes out in this conversation that, like, she's kind of fallen in love with Harry. I um, mean, who hasn't? Who wouldn't? Yeah, true. I yeah. mean, it's fantastic. I'm in love with Harry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All guy four rules. of us are. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of the best. <laughs> yeah, so um, we cut over to Sochi in her cop pool, shaking a chestnut tree, and then Lauren and Diana are picking them up. Uh, this is kind of a character building scene, but doesn't do anything with the plot, so we'll skip it. Diana's just like, oh, chestnuts are pointy or whatever. And he's like, yep, that's earth food. <laughs> What's, sure up are. What's up with that? Yeah. <laughs> What's the deal with oh. chestnuts? <laughs> Making food out of bullshit plants is hard. It's like, yep, sometimes we just like throw thistles in hot water and we call it tea. <laughs> <laughs> um, back at the Solaire, uh, Harry is leaving in his sumo. By the way, his sumo gets like a dress jump skirt thing just going on with it. Like, yeah, he I looks guess like it puts on a skirt. Fly with it. Yeah, it's weird looking. But um, as he leaves, because he was yelling. jumping before, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, Poa yells at him. Is like, where are you going? We need you for the fight that's coming up. But he's like, I'm on a mission from the queen. Later, nerd. And, you know, gets out. She's not happy about this. 
No one takes her seriously for good reason, but like that doesn't make her any happier about it. (laughs) The thing is, they need to do more than just not take her seriously. This is like ignoring someone. This is ignoring a mass murderer. Yeah, she's already got a pending like twenty-year sentence going on. This this is having a little Hitler among your ranks and just being like, "Oh, settle down, little Hitler." Like that's not the right answer. You need to put little Hitler in jail. Um, back at the Wilgem, um, their dig sites are progressing pretty nicely. Um, Gwyn is showing Sid a beam saber. Apparently he dug out back in Iglesia someplace and they found the shield too. So they're going to give those to the White Doll later. Um, Gwyn said he's also been producing missiles for the militia. They just have a bunch of missiles in boxes now. The boxes have like the Texas Longhorn symbol on them. It's kind of weird. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Gwyn's brand. There's a lot of... There's a lot of like weird nods to the American South in this series that are <laughs> I like it. It's it's good characterization. It's, it's it's interesting seeing these kind of like two steps removed takes on the American South. And yeah, they they're kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Um so we cut back to Harry. He's hiding his sumo in the tree line or whatever. Um It's very well hidden, dude. You got that. Yeah, it's gold. People are going to miss that. <laughs> Um, he takes off his wraparound bug glasses, and this is where you actually see that the glasses are full wrap around the back of, of his head. Of course. They're very silly. Um, he has on a pink collared shirt, and over that is a black and yellow diamond patterned argyle sweater vest. It's so that's, beautiful. Yeah, it's just perfect. to give you the idea, like a painting of what he's looking like right now. It's the Twitter profile picture, <laughs> or at least that's coming up. I love how, oh my God, it's so good. It's so good. And like, then he puts on these regular glasses and he looks exactly like Chips Enough from Guilty. Yes, he does. (laughs) But in an Argyle sweater and it's amazing. It, it fucking killed me. Like, oh, like it's the same glasses that Chip puts on after fighting too. Those like square ass nerd ones. Yeah, the nerd glasses. Yeah. And so to add to this beautiful. Even further. He gets on what is essentially a flying Segway. It's like this <laughs> bar stool kinda that he sits on and that it also like has jets in the back. And like he what he does is he uses this to fly up to a vegetable truck that the militia is using to smuggle people and just like kind of climbs on top of it and just rides it into the militia dig site. And it looks so funny because it's like a bike seat, like a banana seat. So yep. it's like going between his legs up front and there's nothing in front of it. So it's just, he's flying through the sky with this bike dong. <laughs> the it's really is funny. so advanced. It's oh, really it's so funny. good. Yeah. So um, when he gets to the site, he kind of starts blending in with the uh, civilians that they've been smuggling in. And uh, he gets noticed by Horace. Um, he sl- kind of slips in the conversation that says that, oh, yeah, I'm good with, you know, moon technology. I'm a technician. And so Horace is like, oh, yeah, we have work for you. Go work with Sid over there. Um, so he goes and does that. Um, we cut to Sochi. She is putting a bed, not bed, it's like bigger than a bed sheet. It's like a huge tarp with a red cross on it over a house. And they're apparently turning this house into a hospital. And she goes over the goon and she's like, yeah, so what's up with the cross? And he's like, no, it's, you know, it's good luck. It's a symbol. So war doesn't come here. I kind of love how they don't actually know what that's from. It's It's just a tradition that's existed for so long that it's kind of just gotten lost. Yeah, it's the idea that, like, everybody has lost their history and doesn't know anything anymore, which is a good... It it works in with the, you know... Yeah, yeah. Just this whole idea of, well, we put crosses and the Red Cross and a white thing on top of uh, hospitals. Why? I don't know. Is it some kind of indicator? It's kind of conventions? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Yeah, it plays into the whole setting that no one knows anything from their past. 
Yeah. Yep. Uh, so we cut back to Harry. He's doing some manual labor for Sid. Uh, he's kind of wondering if Diana is really here. So it's at this point that we have confirmed that Harry actually knows what is going on, even though it's kind of been alluded to for the last, God knows, 10 episodes. I, I like how they've slow rolled it this far, but I also like how Harry's not a fucking moron. Yeah. He yeah. seems to be the only one. <laughs> yes. But he is the only one who realized that, uh, yeah, Keyhill was pretending to be Diana, and he knew it pretty much right away, whereas like, everyone else who knows had to be told. I think that's just Lauren yeah. at this point. Yeah. But, yeah, Lauren had to be told. Harry just fucking knew. He's that good. Yeah, I mean, I and guess Lauren, when you're... like, had an idea that something was up. Like, he noticed Kihil was being weird, but, yeah, he didn't... He didn't piece it together as fast as Harry, who was just like, those two looked the same. I bet they did a Freaky Friday. Those dumb idiots. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, too, because, like, he noticed his boss was a different person quicker than, like, uh, Sochi noticed that her sister was not. Like, she still wasn't know. Yep. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah, so we uh, cut to a quick scene of Diana cutting... In case me. you didn't realize, Sochi is stupid. Stupid as fuck. <laughs> she's a dumb teen. Just, I'll give her a pass. She's, on that. she's fifteen. Yeah. yeah, but she yeah, should still yeah, notice like that the sibling's different. It, yeah, it's like it's reasonable that she's dumb, but like she's Come very on. dumb. <laughs> yeah, she's very yeah. dumb. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we see a scene of Diana cutting some chestnuts up. Uh, she sympathizes with ancestors who figured out moon agriculture. So it's like, making food's hard. I hate cutting chestnuts. Um, we cut back to Harry and Sid. Uh, they meet up with Horace, and they're trying to restart the Wilgum's engines. Like, this is the last thing they have to do to get the ship running. Um, they think that they need a more powerful generator to do this. Uh, they start talking about saying how the Wilhelm is from the forgotten history. They don't know how old it is. It's like two to 3,000 years old, maybe even older. And like they also bring up the fact that the white doll is technically younger than this, and it's at least twenty three hundred years old. So like that gives you a time scale of how many generations removed that these, you know, mechanical objects are from people. Basically from Jesus times. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be kind of wild if like some archaeologist up in like Iraq or something dug up a Mac from Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Imagine if yeah, imagine if fucking mummy Gundam came out and it was just like, yeah, this was this was the Christ the Lord's Gundam. Mummy Gundam. That's how we split the Red Sea. It makes sense now. And that's how he rose. Yeah, exactly. In his mummy Gundam with G. <laughs> it was the devil cells, the DG cells. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. So um we also learned here or Wait, I'm skipping a bit. Uh, Poe is uh, getting in her mech. She's ready to go go do her mission to blow up the Wilgem. Um, her Wadam has like a new generator on the back, so that makes her laser even more powerful or something. It's so big that she actually has to hold it with the hands of the robot. Yeah, it's kind of silly. It's just like they strapped like a uh, fucking gas generator to the back of it. <laughs> what I love about this is so much of this does kind of feel like redneck engineering like very much using your truck to just make a hot tub by redirecting the exhaust into the back you know it's that kind of shit of just like this isn't a great way to do this but like i mean it'll work for now we're on the field why do i feel so lightheaded is it the hot water or the carbon monoxide (laughs) and it's also yeah it's also like a large hint of like no one really is fully understanding the technology that's going on they understand it's just they don't care about the side effects yeah that too Uh, so back at the Wilgem, they're doing the final test to start the engine. They uh, decided to use the white doll to uh, jumpstart, basically, the Wilgem. Yep. Um, there's some dialogue here. Sid says that he's opening a new treasure box for the militia. While Laterum says, like, well, it could be Pandora's box. This may be bad. Who knows? Who knows the difference between good and bad? <laughs> no, absolutely um, none. 
Diana shows up. Uh, she's thinking that this is Will Game's legacy, that he left the ship for the militia to use. At this point, Harry is kind of walking through the crowd and he notices Diana and like he knows it's her. She's and, just uh, out here? What? Yeah, and she he's really surprised that like she's just walking around. Like she thinks that like she would try to be hiding her identity, but I guess she's pretending to be Keyhill, so who knows, you know? The perfect cover. Yeah, so the white doll does a thing, the engine start up, everybody's super happy and pumped that the militia now has a super spaceship. Um, Diana is looking at the engine thinking about Will when Harry walks up and uh, Diana knows it's him like immediately like they know who each other are so um, they go walk off Lauren notices this he's like this is weird why is she walking with this stranger and so the two of them kind of like go off to the side and start speaking candidly to each other um, Harry tells her about Poe's plan to go blow up the Wilgem um, she says like well I want to stay here even though I'm queen because I like it here and so like he grabs her and starts saying listen you have to leave or you're going to die and so Lauren sees this and he starts trying to go fight Harry. Um, Diana stops them saying, this is Harry. And then like they kind of have a realization of who each other are. Uh, There's like three separate people with two identities here that are all getting They all have, basically. all three of them have secret identities. Yeah. Really. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> yeah, she tells Lauren about Poe's plan. Um, he thinks Harry is defecting. Like he's kind of happy at first. Like, oh, you're joining the militia now. But uh, he's not. Nah, um, dude. And so Lauren's like, oh, you're just here to kidnap Keyhill then. And this kind of throws him off because he doesn't know why... <sighs> he doesn't know why Lauren, who knows that it is really Diana, is calling Diana Keyhill as cover. It's... Yeah, sorry. It's confusing, yeah. but... <laughs> This is a three spy situation. <laughs> <laughs> like, we we can't make this too much easier via the medium of podcasting. I'm afraid we're gonna need a visual guide. Yeah, I know that you know. We're getting. But into I know like, that you don't know that you know. But I'm not sure if you know that he knows that she knows. Exactly. We're getting to like revolver revolver ocelot ocelot <laughs> situations here. So yeah. I hypnotized myself to convince myself my arm was a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, god damn it. So, um, <laughs> we cut over to Bruno and Jacob. They're loading the beam rifle that Gwyn found onto one of those airships he has. Um, everybody's saying that, like, oh, those two look like idiots, but they're good at mobile suits, so we'll keep them around, whatever. I love them now. I, I know. I love that they've joined. <laughs> they've just joined up with the hero side. People are like, all right. And yeah, they're, they're like, well, we were going to steal this, but actually people around here kind of treat us all right, so fuck it, we'll stay. Yeah, they like, they feel like very early on villains that turn hero side, like, you know, those that's shown in mm -hmm. trope where, you know, you, you meet your our tribal villain, but he helps you out, you know, in this third episode, and then from the rest of the time he helps you. But, like, it's weird because, like, I don't want to spoil too much, but going on, like, they do have, like, conflicts later about where their loyalties are lie, and I think the show does a decent job of portraying that. And it shows up in one of these episodes here, one of the first ones. But yeah, they are yeah. for the time being helping out Lauren and the militia. Um, so yeah, they uh, load down the airship. The airship spots Poe's Wadham walking over the hill. Um, she immediately starts firing missiles and the militia like jump into action trying to react to it. We cut back to Harry. Uh, he's telling Diana that like being here is bad. You're going to die. But she, of course, is, wants to stay here because she likes it here. And she, like, brings up that, like, if you don't let me stay here, I'm going to reveal to everyone who you are. If And then you're going to be insanely captured and dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... yeah, so, like, this kind of, I'm trying to, I'll, I'll try to, like, condense this conversation. But, like, Harry asks about Laura, because he's like, well, aren't you also being incognito? And he's like, is that a disguise or a hobby? And then Lauren says that, like, you know, it is my duty to do this. It's, it's a weird conversation they have. Like, Harry kind of accuses him of tricking everyone even though he's also tricking people about it, yeah, it doesn't 
it's weird. Yep. But um, it's just the Harry just can see through disguises. I guess that's his, that's his superpower. Is he's like, you're Laura, you're Diana, you're. It's because he understands he understands fashion better than anybody, yeah. so you can't fool him with clothes. You just can't do it. Exactly. He's through that shit. Yeah, so Sochi thankfully shows up and breaks up the conversation, and uh, Lauren goes and gets in the white doll. Um, Poe gets attacked here by Bruno and Jacob for a second, who immediately run away. They they, they still have their like wads as well. They're not wads. I forgot what the name of their suits are. The ones with the rail guns on the top of them. Yeah, they're they're the weird little guys. The gremlin machines. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, they, like, buy some time for the militia. Harry flies back to his sumo on his flying Segway thing. Uh, Poe does a warning shot, like a big beam laser over the valley where everyone is. This is where Lauren gets his his white doll shield, and, like, he makes a big deal about setting up his eye field. If you haven't watched any of the original UC Gundams, this is a thing of a technology that just bounces beam lasers around it's a protection thing but nothing dangerous about yeah. that yeah so poe fires a laser again and this time lauren charges up to the front line and blocks it with a shield in the course of doing this like there's a cool shot of the white doll just kind of like spreading the laser over the shield and it, instead of like blowing up the valley it just kind of rains down these particles on everything and this ends up torching the hospital that they set up oops yeah sochi even makes a comment says like the right cross didn't work it's stupid <laughs> And they were like, eh, at least it wasn't a direct hit. Like they didn't directly, they didn't directly laser the hospital. It just is a little burnt. Like, it's, it's the difference fine. between second degree burns and complete incineration. So you know. Yeah. Uh, so Poe jumps up in the air to shoot the valley a third time because she wants it exploded. But uh, Harry shows up in his sumo and kicks her. Uh, she falls to the ground, and then she thinks immediately that he's gone and become a traitor, but he yells at her as like, "I'm protecting the moon civilians that are down there. They're still loyal to us, even though they're working. Whatever." Um, so she gets really angry. She fires the laser again for a fourth time. He blocks it with a sumo, but in like the course of it, it just blows up his arm. Um, she is like really conflicted now. Like obviously she wants her operation to work and for her to destroy the spaceship, but she also doesn't want to kill what is essentially a teammate to her. And so she's getting like real emotional and cries here. And then the militia just starts firing at her. So she runs off. Humiliation number... I don't know, Eight. 25? Yeah. Um, this is when the airship that had that beam rifle on it just kind of flies over Lauren with the white doll, and he just kind of picks it out of the sky and shoots Poe's Wadam, and so, like, the top <laughs> explodes on it again. And she's also, now, not only is she crying, but she's also confused on how he got a beam weapon. Um, so Harry jumps in front of them both and says that, like, listen, we're retreating, and Lauren, knowing that it's Harry, says, like, okay, sure, get out of here. And uh, they talk about how this is the legendary Gundam and this is going to protect all the people from the moon or whatever. The, the enemy of the space immigrant. Right. Yeah. They keep bringing that up. I don't know what the Gundam ever did to the space immigrants. <laughs> um, afterward, Diana and Lauren talk. Um, they're kind of recapping. Luckily, there were no casualties, but, you know, their location is blown in the... They know in, about the spaceship now. Yeah, so, like, we got to get the Wilgim working or we're done. And so... The end of this episode is kind of funny because in the background, on top of the Wilgem, Gwyn is just giving the speech about how they're naming it the ship that, but like no one's paying attention to him, which is kind of <laughs> funny that like yeah. he's trying to be this big politician, but just no one cares. <laughs> I love it too because when you first you. when you first met Gwyn in this series, he came off as this guy who was like actually very important. Yeah, he's big shit. And then as you go on, you find out more and more that like it was very much 
fabricated or very much just he was trying to make himself seem more important than he was i mean he was important when he had a nation to back him and then when he kind of abandoned it after it got destroyed like he's kind of a joke now well he still wasn't even that big of a deal then too to a certain extent (laughs) like he was talking to the moon and they were like are you the president of earth and he was like yes (laughs) there was was that yeah (laughs) Yeah, so uh, episode 23 starts up. We get a recap of everything that just happened. Um, the main thing is Harry knows the truth about the Swapperoo. Uh, the title of this one is T-Pip's Last Words. Um, not foreboding. Can't imagine what that's going to mean. Yeah. So we're back in the Slayer. Uh, Phil blames Harry for the whole failure of Poe's attack. But Key Hill kind of shows up. Again, she's playing Diane. Uh, and covers for him saying that, like, oh, listen, I gave him official orders. He was doing some recon work. You know, that's why he was out there. And he really appreciates that, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, we cut elsewhere. The Gallop, that uh, ship that we talked about a couple episodes back, um, it's now parked in front of the Donkey Bread Factory. Apparently, Keith got some seed money and just made a factory in the middle of nowhere. As you do. Yeah, so um, this is where he's making bread now. So good for Keith. He's a good war profiteer. Mm-hmm. Um, t is there, and uh, she's complaining that, like, why did the militia have to show up? I'm trying to get away from those people. And, like, she looks down, and she has this, like, weird sunflower doll that she, like, carries in her skirt. We get a flashback of to her as a kid on the moon with the doll, and she's talking to, presumably, her mother. Um, she asks her mother why people that live in such a beautiful place would need to be barbarians, referring to the moon, or referring to the earth, which is in scene there. Right. And, um, yeah, so she has been on the moon, so that's important. Uh, we're introduced to two new characters. One of them is an idiot, and the other one's kind of important. <laughs> the first one is uh, Troy. He's one of the people who is a baker at Keith's factory. Uh, he has kind of like long, gray, wavy hair. And he has like the Brock thing from Pokemon the where his eyes, eyes are constantly closed. Yeah. And he's real friendly about everything. He seems to be kind of an idiot, but a nice guy anyway. Um, the second of whom is more important. He's the foremaster of Keith's bakery operation. Man. This guy's name is Meme Midgard. Uh, Spelled meme. meme. Spelled meme, yeah. Spelled meme. Um, This guy (laughs) is taller. He looks to be 40-ish, 50-ish. Gray skin, has kind of a buzz cut. He has, like, perpetual bags in his eyes. Um, He is very serious, and he tells Troy to stop fucking around. Like, you should get back to work. So Troy runs off. Meme and Teeth whisper to each other, like, on the side of the building that they're at, and they're, like, they're talking to each other about how the militia is using the white doll. And, it, like, through this conversation, like, they're in on shit. Like, we already knew that Teeth was kind of, like, a moon operative assassin, mm-hmm. and Meme knows, like, what's going on. So he's yep. in on it. And so that's important for the rest of these scenes. Uh, so we cut over to Lauren and Keith catching up. Um <sighs> They talk about how his business is doing well, but Keith is a war profiteer, so I don't really have too yeah. much sympathy for him. Basically. I do like that they they make it a little more subtle in this series. Most other series I see who like go for something like this, they always have it be like, oh, you're selling guns to both sides. Or like, oh, you're selling mines to both sides. And like, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe mines are good, actually. But this time it's just like... It's, it's bread, you know, yeah. like it's pretty reasonable. Like, people are going to need bread, but it's just like, Keith is maybe 
a little too, you know. Yeah, that's what I feel. Insider trading re-war <laughs> with his loaves. <laughs> yeah, I feel that's kind of good. And like the way they're portrayed, it's good because obviously he's war profiteering, which is a terrible thing. But he's doing mm-hmm. it like he's selling bread, one, which is different than guns. Two, like he's trying to help both sides. And the reason he's doing it is because he just wants people to be able to survive. So like his head is in the right place, even though he's kind of a jackass for doing it. Yeah. So he like, also gets like brought up to him that he's doing it to his yeah. face several times. Yeah, they address it too. So yeah, yeah. I, I feel it does a decent portrayal of trying to thread the line yeah, there. I like it. Yeah. It's again, it's one of those things of like uh, I think a lot of people criticize um the writer of Gundam, who I'm completely forgetting the name Tomino. of for being Tomino, yeah. Yeah, it's Tomino for like being a little too on the nose. And occasionally, I mean <laughs> yes. let's yes. be real. We'll have a cut with two characters with their face half and half on screen pointing out that they look the same while they're saying, wow, these two characters look the same. So like it does happen sometimes. But then like, yeah, like this this I feel like is a pretty well done um like side storyline. I really like what they've done with Keith so far. Yeah. Like as far as a character that I thought was gonna be his like a throwaway sidekick we forgot about, you know? Yeah, no, he stays around for a good chunk of the series, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Diana shows up. Uh, they get introduced since they, since they were normally, or since they were never formally introduced. Um, yeah, he talks about his bright industry and everything. Um, we cut to a montage of the militia doing a bunch of repair work and everything about their mobile suits and whatever. The main thing about this, we cut to Goonie and Sochi. Um, he is sewing her hat, like that hat she's been using when she ever she goes in the battle. The pilot hat. And yeah, and he brings up, like, he asks her if she will accept his proposal. And she oh. says, yeah, so Sochi's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. But like, things are moving kind of fast here. And, like, and Goonie says, like, well, listen, things are happening really fast these days. Uh, like, I want to live my life without regret. I want to know what your answer is. And so she gets kind of flustered about this and runs off. And so, yeah, he has proposed to her and she has accepted. And this is kind of a subplot that's going to go on for the next couple episodes. I I don't like it. <laughs> he's he's 27. She's oh, we picked 15. Up, yeah, we picked up the ages here, didn't we? Yep. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't like the subplot. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, it makes sense in a battle situation that, like, you would... It's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things but of, not, yeah. when I consider it in context of, like, World War II marriages, like, my grandparents and stuff like that. It's like, okay, yeah, no, that kind of thing definitely did happen. Uh, still don't like it. Still don't, <laughs> still don't yeah. need to see more of it. Uh, still doesn't need to be represented in media i feel like but i mean it's I, like, I, I feel that like one thing i think that makes this a bit better is one like she has her own agency in this situation and two yeah. i think that like goonie for all of his faults is a decent like he has her best interest at heart from what it comes out in the series so i don't know it's yeah. weird yes i will agree with you but anyway uh we cut over to the mess hall um there's a bunch of people eating apparently bread from uh keith's bakery but like they're killing yeah, but they're bad-mouthing it because they're like, well, Keith sells to the enemy, too. This bread sucks. And so we have Fran sitting over in the corner eating the bread, too. She's like, this bread's fine. These people are just being jackasses because they don't like who he sells it to, which is fair. Also, Joseph is, like, in the corner there. Yeah. It's rele- it's sort of relevant later because it's the only time that they're both in frame at the same yeah, time. Yeah, okay. like, this subplot comes now. out of nowhere, and I agree with you. It's kind of <laughs> weird. But, um, <laughs> yeah, anyway, Fran uh, throws some bread on the ground to a dog who has, like, an injured hand or, or paw, I guess. It's and, such uh, a cute little paw. It's like, oh. It's one of those Scottish <laughs> terriers, isn't it? Mm, it's yeah. so cute. And she's like, she looks at, like, a, it through the lens of her uh, 
I guess camera. I don't know what those things are called. And she's like, you're also a war orphan. We have to find... Oh, do you mean her pure autograph? No, I have no <laughs> idea what you're kind of But yeah, old tiny ass camera probably has plates and shit in it. You probably have to manually reload the flash. Like yeah. That. And she was complaining that like everything she sends to the newspaper has been sad news. Like she has to find happier news. Because of course, you know, you got to spin it. But... Need the human interest pieces. Yeah. So Sochi runs up to her and she kind of asks like, you're Lauren's friend. Where did he go? And so she says, like, hey, we went to the bakery, so we cut over to the bakery. Diana notices that, uh, this is a kind of interesting scene. Outside the bakery, Diana's just kind of walking around, and she spots Meme, and she immediately knows that he used to be a member of Diana Counter. I recognize that countenance anywhere. Yeah, I recognize the bags under this guy's eyes. He hasn't slept in, like, a week. (laughs) But, yeah, like, she immediately knows that he should not be here. Or he, yeah, he should not be here. Um... We also, during the scene, kind of aside, there was a man who was dressed as, like, a Far Eastern monk with, like, the straw hat and everything, and he's picking crumbs off the ground, and the kids, like, there's some kids making fun of him. It's Corrin. He's not dead. And not I, dead, just, uh... He's completely crazy. Yeah. Like, he does not know who he is. Uh, he thinks that he is just a monk, and he, like, prays to gods of the sky now. So, yeah, just keep that in mind, I guess. We cut to Diana. Uh, she is talking yeah, with... For the record, it's weird at first because like, it, it seems like maybe it's just corn fucking around. But then after like two or three scenes, you're like, oh, he really oh. doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. No, he <laughs> has completely lost it here. Like, he is not mm-hmm. the person he was in, you know, at episodes three, four ago. Yep. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Diana and uh, Vellering, who is, again, Keith's girlfriend, love interest. Um, they're watching Keith talk to a businessman. This businessman apparently is like a local commerce guy. Um, this he man looks doesn't... like a uh, capitalist from the early 1900s. Yeah, he looks like <laughs> fucking Monopoly Man. Yep. <laughs> um, this guy is not happy that Keith is dealing with the moon people, and so he's hiking prices on Keith, but Keith tells the guy that they are also... Pro- he knows that they are also profiteering off the moon people, and he's not going to pay three times the price. So after some negotiations, they sign a deal, and the guy leaves. Um, Diana comments that they're both doing very well, and... Uh, Velarine says that like she's kind of embarrassed by it like she doesn't like the fact that she's doing this but I guess you know money is money um, Keith says that Gwyn is also doing the same war profiteering and Diana's like no no he's uh, just focusing on acquiring new technology but Keith says that like you know military tech is like a toy for men they just love to play with it and Diana's like oh, oh they want exactly like one that. thing and it's disgusting yes. it's fucking disgusting <laughs> they just want giant robots they just want giant with. robots yeah <laughs> yeah that's all that's all men think about yeah I mean hey you know what not wrong <laughs> it's true <laughs> the quickest way to a man's heart is a 40 meter high mobile suit <laughs> yeah so um <laughs> outside uh, or sorry inside Titith spots Corin outside like uh, carving an idol like uh, he's just kind of carving a wood thing to himself and so she goes and tells Maymay that like hey I can use him like for our nefarious plans and Maymay's like yeah also that keyhole girl looks like she could be used she so uh, Teeth goes outside to Corin, who is uh, carving the thing, and gives him some bread. He eats it, and then she kind of asks him, like, "Hey, are are you Corin? Are you this guy? Like, we know you're a lieutenant. You can help us." But like, he just completely ignores her. Like, he is crazy and talking about how he's carving for the gods of the sky or something like that. And like, she eventually just like gets fed up and leaves because like she's not breaking through to him. Um, we cut to later that night. She's walking around outside thinking about how to steal the white doll. Uh, that guy from before, Troy, he shows back up 
and so they go for a walk. It's immediately obvious that Troy is madly in love with Titeth and that she yep. is just using him. Yeah. Um, she's walking around the gallop and uh, she doesn't want anyone to notice her like Jacob or Bruno. Uh, so she kind of grabs Troy's arm like they're having a romantic walk or something. And he eats it up, of course. Bruno actually spots her, but just doesn't care. He's just like, oh, well, she's sleep with anyone. Who gives a shit? It's, it's great. <laughs> it's very obvious that he doesn't know that it's her, though, because he, he has the exact same reaction. Yeah, it's... Again, Bruno and Jacob are not the smartest people. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, uh, T. Tith and Troy talk. Uh, Troy's from the moon. Um, she says that she doesn't have any fond memories of the moon. And he's like, oh, so you really are moon race. And that kind of comes up later. Uh, we got the Sochi. She's in a cop pool. She's sitting there thinking of Goonie. And she has like the whole blush thing going on. But She's she been also... grabbed by the Goonie at this point. <laughs> she waiting. also wants Lauren to return. <laughs> and like, it's... <laughs> I guess what they're playing for is that she's kind of conflicted about whether she likes Lauren or she likes Goonie. Um, I'm just going to start calling him Gavin now. because <laughs> Goonie is banned Goonie's because banned. of any and all grabbed by the Goonies <laughs> references. God damn it. Um, we cut over the Fran. Uh, she is taking a picture of one of the militia's flats. Um, she gets in the seat and then realizes it's the same one she used two and a half years ago to fly down to Earth. Uh, that she motherfucker thinks, sold it. Yeah. Uh, she starts thinking of back to the good times that they had, um, referring to Lauren and Keith. Joseph shows up. Uh, he asks her why she's sitting in, in his flat, because apparently it's his now. Uh, they kind of recap about who they are with relations to each other. Like, oh, yeah, we both know Lauren. Um, he asked her why she renamed Lauren as Laura in her newspaper articles. And she says like, you know, I was trying to cover for her or whatever. And then he puts together that she's a moon race, just like Lauren is. She's kind of embarrassed about it, but, uh, he really doesn't care. He's like, whatever, you're an earthling now you're on earth. I don't give a shit about that. Um, like you're doing good journalist work. You clearly care about this, whatever, who cares? Like whatever. Yeah. I and I, I think this care. also comes up kind of as a plot later because, um, it's more obvious to us watching it that Joseph is a minority character because he has like darker skin. He has the red hair. He's supposed to be, I'm assuming mm -hmm. like they kind of portray him more as a native American type. Right. In this as more than a Caucasian. And like this comes up, I'm going to spoil it a bit later about what happened mm -hmm. to his, uh, you know, ethnicity, mm -hmm. but yeah, like that's why he kind of just doesn't care. He's past all that, which is a mm -hmm. thing. So I was wondering if it would get brought up. Yeah, it does. I kind of spoiled it. Sorry, but you know, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> we cut over to a fantastic scene that I love. Meme <laughs> is drinking whiskey on a table, like a kitchen table before he's falling asleep. Like he's covered in like bed sheets and stuff. And like he's but just he, on this table, and he the has mattress like, is the ta is on a table. Yeah, and he has fucking like an elephant pajamas on. <laughs> yeah, they're they're beautiful. That's they're so good. Like it's like it's like a child's elephant pajama <laughs> shirt. Like it's the kind of elephant you would. Okay, it's an elephant that's made out of Duplo blocks on this fool's <laughs> shirt as he takes a swig of whiskey and falls asleep on a military bed. Because that's what this is, by the way, is like it, it cuts to a couple different times, which I actually like this. Uh, all the people sleeping in different areas around like on the convoy, basically, and how they're getting along with it. 
Because, like, half of them are just sleeping on the ground. Half of them are just sleeping in their mobile suit because it's, like, a cushion. So it's better than anything else. Yeah. <laughs> like, some of them are just sleeping on some benches. You know, like, one's, like, sleeping on the top of a bar. You know, just <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, so as he's falling asleep there, he notes that outside a mobile suit is moving. And so he says to himself, I'll have to wait for tomorrow for the results of this operation. So like he's up the ship. Uh, Diana also is shown waking up. She sneaks out of the gallop again, past several people who Ty said were just sleeping. Um, it happens to be Lauren is in the white doll and he's carrying Troy over to like a warehouse grain silo. And it, Troy just says, like, he has told him, to, like, listen, I got to move some wheat. It would be helpful if you and your mobile doll could pick them up for me. That sort of thing. Lauren needs that up. Lauren yeah. is intensely gullible. Yes. Yeah. Lauren, would you like to continue being a hero of the people? Oh, man. Would Ooh. I? <laughs> Lauren, it would really help me if you gave me your credit card number and the last four digits of your social security. <laughs> uh, but would it help the people? It might. <laughs> 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 yeah, so Lauren uh, drags, or not drags, but carries uh, Troy over to the grain silo. When he does, Tikith shows up inside the grain silo and pulls a gun on him. And she is stealing the white doll. Um, she knows that it is the famous turn a Gundam. And uh, Lauren is like, I don't know what that is. What is that? The and fuck? So she's, yeah, and so she says it is the monster that penned the tragedy of the dark history. So right there, uh, yeah, the white doll is responsible for everybody forgetting everything for the past 3,000 years. War crimes. War crimes. Yeah. Um, so he asks, like... So something's up with turn A. Something's good with our... Something's bad with our good mustache. <laughs> son, is what we're picking up from this. Yeah. So uh, Lauren asks why she's doing this. Uh, she says that if she brings the white doll to the right people, it would be more worth more than if she actually killed and assassinated Diane. And so... Um, she tells Troy to go grab the iPad from um, from Lauren. And uh, while he does this, like, the fish thing that Lauren has kind of falls out. And she says, oh, why would a child have this fish toy? You know, the fish toy that he's been carrying Fucking since baby. the beginning. Yeah. But then Troy immediately just kind of says, like, oh, yeah, Tifa has a doll that's kind of like that, too. It's really cute. And she, like, gets really embarrassed and yells at him. He's still um, really into her. Yes, Troy's a fucking idiot. <laughs> Let's get that right She now. can't be doing anything bad right now. Yeah, he, she, he immediately, like, several times kind of apologizes for her crimes, but... <laughs> I think it's implied that she's stupid hot. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. hot that can just get away with anything. Like, I mean, come on. We've all known one, at least. One person <laughs> who's just hot enough to just get away with shit, and you're like, now how the fuck is like, well, you're just that hot. Just how the fuck, <laughs> like, and then she, like, leans over enough. and kind of squeezes her shoulders together, and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> yeah, Lauren tries to talk him out of it. Um, she fires the gun at him, and uh, kind of, uh, yeah, they put him, sorry, I, I'm skipping ahead a bit. Tithith puts them both on the ground and, like, Lauren tries to talk him out of it. She fires the gun at him. And then, like, it cuts to Diana immediately outside the gallop with her own gun. It's, with a gun. Yeah, I don't know where she got that. But she yells at Bruno that they're trying to steal the white doll and to get the gallop moving. Um, Diana just starts opening fire at the white doll with Tithith in it. Um, she literally just yells, cockpit's open, and starts shooting at her. And I'm just like, nice. <laughs> yeah, so Tithith's not taking any shit. She uh, uses the white doll to pick up uh, Diana. Uh, Mamie wakes up and he's like, God damn it, I can't get any sleep. Your plan's too loud and too noisy. It's not going to work. We cut back to Tidith. Uh, she jumped on the back of the gallop because she wants the beam, the beam rifle that's inside of it. Uh, Bruno and Jacob know this is bad news and they hit the boosters and they shake her off. 
The gallop just kind of makes like a big circle and then like it and the white doll have the standoff while Bruno and Jacob are kind of having a morality conflict moment here. They know like they want to help big sis, but they also know like what she's doing is not right. And eventually Lauren's like, no, you can't help her. Don't um, do it. Yeah. they Lauren eventually calls up to uh, uh on the megaphone and says that like if Diana counter gets the suit, earth is finished. And Titus is like, I hate earth. I earth ruined my life. It's Yo, terrible. Fuck the earth. Yeah. Fuck the earth. Um, Titith at this point is holding Diane as a hostage and um, interspersed with this is a cut of Corin freaking the fuck out over the white doll he's just losing it uh, Keith gets in the car with Maymay and makes a plan of course Keith does not know that Maymay is kind of in on this he just thinks that it's the foreman so he's responsible so that's why they're doing that uh, we also see Troy trying to uh, stop her almost uh, well ineffectually really because he's saying like we should get married and stuff he's an idiot um we also see Diana yelling at Tita saying that, like, you're making things worse by, you know, grabbing me instead of just leaving on Earth in peace. Why did you have to do all this? Um, she says that, like, you should accept Earth's values and just live in peace. Tita says that, like, I can't. My mother tried to become a moon citizen, but because of the ans- our ancestors were from Earth, she has suffered. So I guess what has happened here is Tita used to be from the Earth, somehow got to the moon, and tried to become a moon citizen but it didn't work out and she was ostracized so yeah she I think has... it was Tita's mom yeah. Uh, yeah yeah it was born on the earth yeah they bring yeah, it up later it could yeah. never be a it's citizen. silly she kind of has a grudge against both the moon and the earth and yeah. so like I don't know what her plan of action here was here but she's... and we certainly will know soon she will tell it all to us <laughs> and not be interrupted in any way shape yeah. or form so uh she says that like a you keyhill as diana really uh as an earth woman you would never understand what i went through and of course this is diana so she's feeling guilty that she led to all this uh maybe eventually gets a signal to the gallop and uh bruno and jacob have a change of heart and will help uh lauren with his plan so um lauren pulls the gallop up next to this other grain silo they have or something and says like, Hey, listen, if you swap Diana, we'll give you the beam rifle and you can leave. So Tethys pulls the white doll up to the gallop to get the beam rifle. But like during the course of this, the gallop just kind of like runs into the grain silo. And this causes like a lot of flour to go everywhere. So it's kind of hard to see. Lauren then jumps from the top of the gallop into the cockpit. Uh, Maybe spots Corrin walking over, which is kind of funny because Corrin's just going insane watching all this happen. Um, he's just spouting crazy shit about the white doll being God and ascending to heaven to look at branches of trees or something. Like, I don't know if this is supposed to be a reference to some sort of Japanese mythology, but like Corn is just losing it here. So hmm. yeah, Titith and Lauren fight in the cockpit for a bit. They fall to the ground. Um, the cockpit ball just drops to the ground. They fall out. Uh, she starts <laughs> punching him, yelling about like how he's lower class, but now he's elite since he did all this cool stuff. Uh, she goes to punch him. He judo throws her over his shoulder. And like in the middle of this, there's a slow motion shot of her falling and then gets headshot. Like someone shoots her in the head as she's falling and it just falls to the ground super dead. And so Lauren and Diana are kind of looking like, what the fuck just happened? She and, okay? Yeah. And Troy, oh, fuck. Yeah. And Troy was, comes over and is like, hey, what's up with this? And then he's like, hey, someone's sniping Moonray citizens. I wonder who that could be. Super suspiciously. <laughs> He backs up around the cockpit and sort of just walks off like, mm, yep. Yeah, and at the same time, Corrin is just leaving. He just walks into a field and just spouting his crazy god bullshit. So yeah, Titith is dead. Um, Troy now, of course, gives us her backstory. 
Uh, long ago, Diana Counter's people abducted some Earth citizens for research. Um, and then, like, her ancestors, Tita's ancestors, were those people. And so she faced abuse on the moon about, like, oh, you're an Earthling, you can't live on the moon, all that. And so that's why Tita has a grudge against everyone, really. And, of course, Diana is feeling super guilty about having this situation. Uh, Lauren tries to cheer her up. And the last scene of this episode is kind of funny. There's an animation error of her not having the wound in her forehead while they kind of do a close-up on her. I don't know why. <laughs> she got unshot. Yeah, but... Yeah. That's, uh, that's that episode. We're going over on time. I'll tell you everything about why Turn A is the actual devil. This is why your machine's the bad one. Oh, no! <laughs> Ow, my head. Oof. Oh, my brain parts. That's where I stored the information I was going to tell you. Oh, well, <laughs> bye. We did find <laughs> out it's called Turn A because of the uh, upside-down A. Stupid fucking mustache. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so episode 24 starts. I'll try to get through this one faster. Sorry. Um, there's a recap of Tita's death. It's a White Doll's turn, etc. Title of this one is Lauren's Distant Howl. Awoo. Yeah, we cut back to Cancer Kafka. Great name. And the rest of her red team uh, doing some kind of like chanting festival. Like it looks like kind of Native American thing. They're like all around this like effigy that's apparently dumplings uh, chanting about how the spirit of the moon resides within them. And there's like a minute of them just chanting shit. Uh, moon military police and like that quartermaster lady from before are watching. The lady thing. with the super round head. Yeah, she's great. I, I don't know what her name is. I looked it up and I couldn't figure it out. If anyone knows, I guess, you know, three weeks from now. Please uh, tell. tell. me on Twitter, please. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're uh, wondering why ancestors of the moon race would do something stupid like this. Uh, we cut to Goonie in, in a Bajornon trying to stop uh, looting and pillaging. Um, yeah, so I guess all the red team got in their flats and decided to go pillage some shit, but they're on a success. As they do. Yeah. Um, Goonie was trying to stop them. He was unsuccessful, but uh, he says that, like, if they have to resort to pillaging, then the moon race may not have the resources that they thought they had and weren't able to crush the militia as quickly. And so, yes, we cut back to Moran and Harry. They are talking about how the moon forces are having to resort to pillaging since they don't have supplies anymore. Um, Harry says there hasn't been any new negotiations since uh, Inglesia has burned down. And Moran takes this as an insult. Um, Harry corrects, uh, says that like there's no one on Earth that is going to be able to unify the... Uh, Ameria, whatever. Uh, they think that Gwyn's dead. So, like, they really just don't know who to talk to anymore. Since there's, like, a bunch of different militia <laughs> factions running around. Um, we cut to Sochi and Guni talking. Uh, she asks him, is like, so what are you liking me? Why do you want to marry me? And she's, he says, like, oh, you have a lot of energy. And, like, you fought back the tears you had when your father died. And she thinks that's strange. Um, Ames comes in with a rumor that, like, no Inglacia crops have been attacked by the moon people. It's only, only been Louisiana crops. And so, like, they immediately start thinking that, like, Gwyn may have made some secret backroom deal with the moon people in order to Gwen. make that happen. And they also bring up that Lord Bergiorno, who I guess is the Louisiana guy, says that, like, he Lord Bongiorno. Well, he's <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. Bongiorno. He, like, he wants to unite <laughs> all of America. Um, oh God. So we cut back to the moon landing zone. Cancer and her crew are trying to get her, their suits fixed. But Poe's like, hey, you can't enter here anymore. And Cancer starts complaining that, like, you gave us suits to go attack things, but now you won't help us fix them. What's up with that? Phil tells her to fuck off, and she gets mad. Moon at people are racist in both directions. Yeah, it's kind of stupid. I mean, I, that's racism, but... 
<laughs> Shit. <laughs> Turn A. <laughs> we're going to learn about like cancer and the whole red team's deal, I think, in this episode. Yeah, it's this yeah. episode, yeah. Uh, we cut up to Diana and Lauren talking about how Sochi's getting married. They think that uh, Lauren thinks that Sochi's too young, but Dan is like, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. But they like, listen, they're both on the front line. They have to be conscious of death. They have to live their lives without regrets or whatever. Who, who knows? We cut to Yanni. He's on the floor laughing, literally, about this whole thing. I don't know why. Why Yanni has any fucking horse in this race. But uh, <laughs> Joseph defends her decision. And is like, listen, like, you know, she can do what she wants. Why do you give a shit? Uh, we cut to uh, Maligan, who again is the Louisiana colonel dude, kind of like the uh, not the Ryan. dude with uh, Keyhill here. Yeah, he's kind of the rival to, I guess, Michael. I guess. Um, yeah, he's with Lily and Gwyn. They're also talking about the marriage. Why does everyone care about this marriage? It doesn't matter. Yeah, Merrigan is laughing about this, but Lily doesn't give a shit. Uh, Gwyn's like, "Why don't get in the way of people trying to be happy? Who gives a shit? Like, they have the right idea of it. Who, who cares, really?" Um, we cut to the uh, Solel. Uh, Harry is telling Keyhill that Moran is looking into Gwyn. Also, that Lord Bojano is trying to unite the Amerias. Um, until they decide who leads Ameria, like they really can't restart negotiation, and this kind of sucks for them because every moment they wait about this is just going to make Phil and his lackeys do stupider things. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, she goes to send Harry to find Gwyn, but then tells him, listen, no, wait, you should stay. You're the only one I can trust. Again, Keyhill is madly in love with Harry at this point. <laughs> um, she thinks to herself that after uh, she sent them to find Diana, they've grown more distant. It's almost like uh, Harry is kind of in on knowing that that's not really Diana and he feels weird about it. Yeah. It's weird now. Yeah. We cut back to Moran, who again is one of the red team people. Um, he is yelling at that quartermaster lady. She thinks that uh, they've turned into freaks since they've had spent their so much time on Earth. And that they shame the moon race by doing their silly dances. She starts going full racist here. Yeah, she goes in. Um, <laughs> Cancer shows up and says that like, they took a big risk by revealing themselves when Diane came to Earth. Um, the quartermaster's like, you're just like Laura. She turned against the moon after living on Earth for so long. And then the quartermaster, like, turns and takes a huff out of an oxygen tank like it's fucking Spaceballs brand canned air. Yeah, she's just like, she's like, oh, just breathing the Earth air too long is making y'all stupid. Let me go get a, <laughs> let me get a chug of this sweet canned air. Hit me with that moon air. <laughs> yum, yum. Just like space dirt. Yeah, so Cancer slaps her and she's like, listen, I'll prove myself that I'm a moon person. And she runs off. Uh, we cut to Diana. Uh, she's in a car driving back to the war hospital. They do war hospital things. There's a lot of fog around. Uh, she almost gets run off the suit road by a mobile suit. It's a flat that she doesn't recognize and it's heading towards the war hospital. We cut over to the war hospital. The flat is a uh, one of the ones from the red team. It has a mustache on it, which is really just like they cut a piece of metal that looked like it's a mustache. Um, cancer By is the, the way, this fools all of the people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very Can foggy, I'm sure. Cancer is on the top of this flat with the mustache yelling about, I'm Laura, I'm defecting back to the moon race. And the rest of the red team just starts pillaging this war hospital, uh, stealing food and cash and everything and praising Laura and the queen and everything. Cancer they basically doing... start teabagging this hospital. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Cancer is at the top of the thing and she's doing a dance about like, it's really silly. I don't even know why. Uh, the head nurse is trying to get everyone loaded on the trucks because like, 
they're attacking. It's weird. They're attacking a hospital. Elsewhere, Sochi is taking a shower, and it's like one of those like camp shower things that has like the water in a tank above your head, and it just falls on you. And like Lauren is talking to her outside the shower, and he's asking her, "Is like maybe you should go back to Inglacia to get permission for your mom for the marriage." By the way, this is weird. If a person is taking a shower, don't stand outside the shower talking to them. Well, she what? starts asking for I mean, towels. Yes, yeah, she's a, there. He's, yeah, to he's hand still her towels. their servant. I, yeah, yes. he is still her servant. And she's flexing. Also, yeah. also, it comes up a couple times, but That's yeah, true, she yeah. definitely is a little bit of a it's strange though. A little bit of a bitch with it a few times. She definitely uses it as a power. Like, there's one point in particular where she like refers to. Lauren is just like a hired hand. Yeah. And the fucking queen's like, yo, watch it. (laughs) Don't, don't cop that attitude. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, she says she doesn't care about what her mother thinks. She's decided to marry. Uh, He brings up the like, oh, you may have ended up as a widow. Is this a good idea? And she teases him back saying like, you just want to feel love, which is kind of mean. Diana shows up, uh, says that the war hospital is under attack by a mustache mobile suit. Uh, Sochi wants to go, but Lauren says, like, oh, Goonies Suicide Squad can take care of it. I'm taking care of it, too. I've run off. Uh, so he goes and leaves. Uh, she calls Lauren a hired hand, like Ty said. Um, Diana mm-hmm. says, like, you shouldn't call him that. And then slaps Sochi, saying that, like, if you intend to marry Goonie for the wrong reasons, you shouldn't. And, like, I guess this is a ploy that, like, she's trying to get at Lauren by marrying Goonie. I, I don't really she, know. She's very, She's trying to make Lauren jealous. Yeah. Uh, by marrying, you know, I can have Gavin instead. You're not interested, but... Because she's 15. Yeah. And too young to be getting married. (laughs) That's what what that is. Um, Also, I do like the way they kind of cover her getting slapped. They, like, have the first statement, and then a bunch of soldiers run by all at once. And then it just, like, once the soldiers are passed, you just see Queen Diana already has her hand, like, across. Yeah, Yeah, post-slap situation. Yeah, it's real good. (laughs) Post-slap situation, yeah. Is this the... Oh, is this currently the Gundam series with the most implied slaps? (laughs) I I think Zeta may still take that. (laughs) Even for non-shown implied only I mean, there's like 100 plus slaps in Zeta. Like, some of them have to be covered up. Yeah, Yeah, so, um, yeah. Uh, we cut the Lauren. He shows up at the hospital camp with the white doll. Um, Mishi tells him, like, they have, hey, if the head nurse sees you, she's going to be mad. And then the head nurse, of course, They were really him. dumb. And they're like, oh, there's only one mustached mobile doll. And it must be Couldn't you. be faked. Yeah. So the head nurse shows up and is mad. But uh, Mishi covers for him. Is like, listen, why would he show back up after all this? It's stupid. Um, Horace and Diane show up. Uh, they fill Lauren in on what happened. It really doesn't matter. Um, later, it's like implied next day cut, uh, Mishi and Sochi are giving out food for injured people at this, uh, war hospital. Uh, Mishi asks Sochi if she plans on getting married. And so she's like, you know, I don't see any reason why I shouldn't. I mean, it's a, tax, it's a tax write-off and everything. <laughs> um, we cut over to Diana telling Lauren, uh, uh, Lauren's getting into the white doll. Diana's telling him that the beam rifle is dangerous and it can kill people in one shot. Don't use it unless you have to. Also, I don't think the people that did the looting are official moon forces. Like, it seems weird that they would even stoop to that. So it's probably not the moon people. Um, so the honorable sh- moon people. Yeah. So she shows up in her cop pool and she's like gung-ho. Like, I want to attack those flats and everything. And then like Bruno, Jacob, and Diana are all trying to tell her no. Like, stop it, you idiots. 
Uh, Lauren takes off. Uh, you are trying to fight an MMA fighter with a toddler machine. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lauren takes off, uh, finds the Suicide Squad. Uh, they're fighting the Red Team's flats, so he starts a battling with them. Uh, he tells them that Diana doesn't want them looting anymore. Uh, Cancer calls him a traitor from the moon. He says, um, war, he says that the war shouldn't, or show, ah, she says that the war shouldn't hap- wouldn't have happened if the White Doll had never existed, saying like, oh, the moon people could have just rolled over everyone. Uh, Lauren, yeah, this is something that kind of gets brought up a few times, that the moon people are a bit salty, that the Earth people have fought back successfully. Yeah, like, it's your fault for fighting back, Mr. White Doll, to which I say, fuck you, moon people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Lauren asks if they're moon race descendants. Uh, cancer uh, in the flat that she's in attacks with a mustache. Like, she just kind of rips it off the front of her mech and just yep. throws it at the White Doll. Uh, the White Doll, like, catches it after it chops down a few trees and chops her arm off with it. And then, like, Cancer starts yelling that, like, they're Diana's pioneers that were sent to help recolonate the Earth several generations ago. And, like, she's a descendant of it. Um, the White Doll attacks Cancer, but, like, she flips and pins it with the, her Wadam. And, like, asks, like, listen, I have you pinned. I want to see Laura. And so Lauren opens the cockpit and shows up. And she's confused why it's not a woman. But he's like, it doesn't matter. I'm here trying to work for Diana's hope for peace. Um, Cancer says that, like, moon people hate Earth. And then Lauren's like, if the moon, if Diana hated Earth so much, like, why would she come in the name of peace and try to do negotiations? She just would have stomped everyone and blown everything up if she really wanted to take it over. And so Cancer jumps out of her mech and slaps um, Lauren a couple times. He says, like, you don't know how much Diana has suffered and everybody's gotten gun crazy and are not trying to talk everything out. It's at this point that the militia cavalry shows up. Um, they chase the red team off. He stops Sochi from uh, chasing more because she wants to go kill people. And uh, yeah, this scene ends with Mishi asking what's in the hand. And it's the mustache boomerang thing that the white doll has grabbed. There's the proof. Yeah, it's silly. The end of this is uh, Diana talking with Lauren. Um, she says that the red team were originally experimental returnees from the moon. Like they tried to recolonize the earth kind of incognito several generations before or something like that. Um, she's feeling really guilty about the whole deal because, again, it's her fault that this all happened because she's the queen. Lauren says that they, uh, listen, I've been here for two years and I feel that I'm an earthling, but I still admire you, the queen, because you're trying to work for peace and he tries to cheer her up. And then they stand there like they're going to dance. It's, it's They kind just of, start dancing. They do kind of start dancing. And she says that in order to prevent war, she has to return to the moon. Got to go back to space. Got to go back. Hey. Someone has to either be going to or returning from space yeah. at any point in time. That's and just science, baby. I, mean, I gotta go back. I to mean, space. to be fair, the next episode is the end of season one, and they almost got a spaceship. So, where are you gonna go, really? You're not you gonna gotta go back to space. To go. Yeah, you gotta, you, gotta, you gotta go back to space. Yeah. Space may just be the place. Yeah. Uh, so, Vic and so Serene, did you want to recap this next one? Uh, I didn't take notes for twenty five because I was busy. But uh, if you guys want to go ahead. Yeah, I, sure I feel that I just talk too much all the time and she just interrupt me anyway, so go ahead. <laughs> all right, so episode 25. Uh, we start with the recap that the red team's mustache was destroying the town. Diana says she's going back to the moon. So the title of this one is Wilgum Takes Off. What could happen? <laughs> I'm sure that the moon operation's going to go well. I'm going back to the goddamn moon! <laughs> <laughs> 
So at the site with the Wilgem being uncovered, it's just about ready to go. We cut to the inside where Gwyn is saying to move ahead with the tests once everything's repaired. Lily says the Diana counter's been suspiciously quiet lately. And Gwyn's like, yes, we're, we're, we're just waiting for the best time to strike like it's chess or something. That He's 40 very chess. <laughs> uh, so we cut to Sid outside, who's not happy about Gwyn pushing everything along. Horace says that they've really been pushing. Uh, we learn that it's unusually cold, and Sid says that there's an 18-year cycle of climate change. Uh, so that basically the polar vortex comes down every so often. Yeah, it's like Westeros or something. Uh, Horace thinks that the, <laughs> the, he calls us, he says a snowstorm's coming and Horace thinks it's a weapon. Yeah, he was like, yeah, we have a snowstorm coming up. And he's like, what's a snowstorm? And he's like, what? He's like, is you that like a gun? Is that a gun? He's like, no, a snow, like with snow. Oh my God. This is cut <laughs> into by the white doll walking out of camp and no one really knows where Lauren's going. Uh, so Soshi and Michi are talking about Kihel in the Gallop's cockpit. Uh, she disappeared last night. Weird that. And Lauren's going off to find her. So she's very clearly jealous that they've been spending so much time together. That doesn't make sense too, because Sochi's getting married. I don't know why she's so like, yeah, well. jealous about. <laughs> it's almost like she's getting married for the wrong reasons because she's too young. Oh well, no. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, Gaffin arrives and brings Sochi a present. He uh, it's a wedding dress. She likes it. He's a bit of a creep. Uh, Mishi's sort of like, you sure about this? But she says that Gavin's been kind. It's it, A lot of people are definitely questioning her about the whole situation. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, again, like, Gavin, like, he doesn't seem like that bad of a guy, but also it's 27 or 15. He is, like, 11 years older yeah. than her. <laughs> so we cut to Lauren, who's looking for Kihel slash Diana in the desert, uh, with his dumb human eyes and not his VR helmet. <laughs> Serene wrote that one. I, I, I wrote the uh, notes and I, I and they're may very have made a few things I mean, you're not wrong. He has like a super scope that lets him identify robots from yeah, five miles away. Yeah, it happened last away. episode. Like he yep. said, like, where yeah. are the Bajorans? And it showed him on the cockpit. It was great. Uh, so we cut over to Diana, who is in a car with, being driven by Corin, who is... Still kind of corn, corning. Uh, she laments that the battlefield is expanding into this desert place. Uh, might have been a bad idea to come to Earth. Maybe. <laughs> Having regrets. Mm-hmm. Corrin is in a bit of a weird place where he's like, my queen, my lovely queen, but he's still, like, weird. She thinks he might be a victim of the war. Mm. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But maybe. Hold, on to, hold on to that one. <laughs> <laughs> so they come to a village that's on fire, and it's being raided by the moon soldiers who are looking for food. Uh, the moon army holding people at gunpoint, stealing all of their stores, doing war crimes as they do. Diana's mortified. She's like, is this my fault too? Probably. She asks Corin <laughs> to take her to the Solil because this has to stop at this point. Uh, he's hesitating, but he then drives her off. Uh, and then we go to Fran. Like, they basically drive straight by Fran, who is taking pictures of the war crimes because she is dedicated to the case. Yeah, they kind of... Uh, I feel that this whole thing with Fran is kind of ham-handed. Like, it's very heavily handed, this whole, like, scene that she's in next up here. They kind of give uh, Keith a whole bunch of story, whereas Fran's been a bit in and out of things. And they, I guess they felt like they had to... Yeah, true, yeah. ...give her something. 
Also, asks, we're talking about the on-the-nose writing, and we have a war comes. photographer in the middle of a war situation. Hey, you know what? Maybe after the number of times he tried to write war is bad and got wow cool robot in response, he just wanted to be sure. You know? He just really wanted to <laughs> make sure it? people got it with this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, there's a war photographer seeing war being terrible and hurting innocent people. Do you get it yet? <laughs> yeah. And in that case, an old lady's being attacked by one of the Wadoms. <laughs> yeah, weird. <laughs> it's the little green ones. The little, the little boys. The little oh, boys are the Wads, yeah, the, yeah. The, the little Wads. gremlins. Okay, the walking dumplings, yes. <laughs> Fran leaps to her aid and scares them away by threatening to publish their picture in the full moon topic, saying they'll get charged for war crimes, which... Get bit of a stretch, but it works. Yeah, this seems really weird because, like, if you jumped in front of someone doing war crimes and says, hi, I'm going to publish your war crimes, you would just get shot. Yeah, I know. Like, there, there's another solution, dude. But hey. there's a great shot of the guy like, holding his hand and then <laughs> yes. waving as he lightly. Like, no, no, no I'm, it's okay. It's okay. I'm off. Don't get now. my model number. <laughs> uh, so let's see. Fran goes back to taking pictures. Gets bumped into another dude who is like, you know, that news is just gonna get suppressed, right? And she's like, mm-hmm. yeah, Cause... she kind of knows like that. Like all the pictures she sent back have not been published. Yeah, and apparently the Borgiarno family owns all of the papers. Yeah, Yeah, and they don't publish the war stories, yeah. It's fake news. And then a flaming newspaper floats by (laughs) as she stands Yes, it's super subtle. (laughs) (laughs) She just has some quote about, like, maybe the news isn't the most... It's something wacky, and then the newspaper goes by. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, then she finds a small, fairly chubby orphan. <laughs> I don't know if this orphan has a name. Like, I looked it up, too, earlier, and, like, I couldn't find it. I think it's it. Lulu. It gets, it gets said, like, once. It's, like, that. Lulu. Yeah, it's something like that. Yeah, and it's uh, it started snowing, and Fran's never seen snow. <laughs> Chungus Child asks if she's hungry. <laughs> Serene, did you write Chungus Child? <laughs> Thank you. Can we name this episode <laughs> Chungus Child? Chungus Child. God. It, I, wa- I was going to put spelled meme, but I think Chungus <laughs> Child takes it. <laughs> but she's basically like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. I know where we could get some dope bread. It, it's To be fair, all the Gundams have had a uh, history of having war orphans just be in the plot for no reason. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what they're trying to do here, even though this series is generally better about not doing the whole war orphans running around on the bridge doing shit thing. Insert orphans here. It's kind of funny to a certain extent because this kid seems largely like she doesn't give a shit. For the most part. (laughs) Like most of her reactions are like, like, yeah, no, that's how life be. It sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yep. my parents are dead. Yep. What, you never yep. seen snow before, weirdo? She fucking weirdo. <laughs> so we cut over to Phil and Poe, who are getting chummy in the hangar, watching the snow fall. They talk about how they're totally going to go attack the uh, militia next and, dele- and defeat them. And then Phil's like, you know, snow's pretty romantic, and Poe's totally into it. So I guess everyone's just pairing off in these episodes. Yeah, it's, I mean, like... We kind of knew that Poe had a thing for Phil earlier, but like mm-hmm. he kind of reciprocated here, so sure, why not? Be yep. war crime buddies. Up in the bridge, Diana and Harry are talking about Kiel being spotted in the town where the uh, militia ma- or where the army was buying supplies. <laughs> uh, that's that's the way Harry puts it. Seems like he might not know all that. 
Phil enters, he asks about it. Hey, dear buddy, can we attack the spaceship yet? And Kiel's like, not yet, no, no. And then he's like, yeah, but it's almost done. They they got some Moonrace people on it. They're, it's, it's pretty much done now. So they basically have no choice but to is give him the chance to attack the spaceship. He, he is like, who knows what Earthlings would do with the spaceship? They might invade with their mobile dolls. <laughs> that would be awful. This what if they went to the moon with some kind of old mobile fort? No. No. That would be bad. That would I'm never going happen. to the goddamn moon. That would That's never like happen. so probably. much of this episode. <laughs> so we cut back to the donkey bakery uh, that Fran and the gnome child have made it to. <laughs> She's out looking for her parents, shock and awe. Doesn't want to stay uh, because the moon people only attack towns with food. Weird. Yeah, she has this like weird eating disorder over it. Like she doesn't want to be places where there's food because like that's where the the places get attacked. Yeah, Yeah. this is why you don't do war crimes. Kids get fucked up. Yeah. So Lauren also pops in looking for Diana. Uh, Keith busts in, so the room is really filling up quickly. Uh, Lauren asks him. Nobody's seen her. Fran confronts Keith about his war profiteering. She slaps him. Uh, that one's, I think, a, pr- a full slap rather yeah. than an implied yeah, slap. Yeah, it's a yeah. full slap. Yeah, that is on camera. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talks about how the papers are buying her work, but they're suppressing it. Keith basically just takes this energy and turns it on Lauren, being like, yo, Gwen, that guy's up to some shit. Yeah, he's playing you. Like he, I think he straight up says, like, he's playing you for what you're doing right he's, now. He's using you like a tool, you idiot, yeah. you moron. Yep. Ask how many people Lauren's killed. Lauren's like, I don't kill nobody. I just have the giant death robot. I'm a deterrent. <laughs> Keith is like, or he's saying that he's just waiting for negotiations. Keith's like, that shit hasn't been working. You really think they're going to get back to the table at any point? Uh, yeah. He just wants to make bread so that anyone, for anyone that's still alive, because he's, He's got bread praxis going on, basically. Yeah, like, I've, Yo, like I said truly earlier. neutral. I'm just making loaves. <laughs> just get off my case. Yeah, like I said true earlier, loaf. like I feel that even though he's a war profiteer, like he kind of has like a decent idea of why he's doing this. Like, yeah, there's another scene yeah. later for it. Uh, so from there, uh, we cut back to the militia. Yanni's talking to Joseph. There's a great shot of Yanni's giant fucking face on the monitor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Joseph. Yeah, Yanni calls up Joseph like while Joseph's inside the flat, and like Joseph presses a button to talk to him, but like his Yanni's face is like twelve Mega feet Yanny. tall. It's just like right there. Uh, someone else then shows up to talk to Joseph. Cuts to Yanni and the generals preparing for the battle. We go back to Joseph, and it turns out it's Fran again. So they they're continuing their thing that they apparently have. Yeah, Joseph and Fran uh, are an item apparently. Fran is like, would you ever marry someone who's like me? And then just kind of looks directly at him. He goes, yeah. He's like, yeah, probably. Uh, She's sad that her photos aren't making a difference. She also not all moon peoples him. (laughs) (laughs) Before like leaning her head on his, uh, on his knees. We cut to Lauren, who is still looking for Diana because that's basically all he does in this episode. Wanders around on the white doll yelling Diana. I mean, she's really depressed about everything she's done. That, that's, yeah, I, I guess one thing that this series has done is shown that Diana feels very guilty about all this. Yep. He gets a call from Sochi, but he's not really feeling great about what Keith said, so he just kind of blows her off. She's pretty mad at him back in the Gallup uh, thing, but he's still busy worrying about 
Keith's words. And the turn A sort of just like, what am I fighting fors? <laughs> Into the air. He poses in anguish. <laughs> we cut to Keith who's making bread and it's basically, he wants to use his bread to make a neutral town so that all the fighting can stop. So he, this heart's in the right place, but he's, he's still war profiteering a little yeah. bit. Future Mrs. Keith tells him like, dude, you really got to go to bed. Go to bed. Go to bread? Go to bread. Go to bread. <laughs> oh, you got it, honey. I'll go to bread. No, Keith. <laughs> so the next morning, basically everyone arrives at the Wilgham site. The snow stops, so the battle's going to start. Lauren is still AWOL at this point, though. Uh, Joseph is in the flat, which apparently the militia has taken to calling the high heel. Which, Very fancy. Wow, fantastic. <laughs> Fran wants to stay, but Joseph says no and gives her his jacket to help her keep warm while she's taking war photos. Uh, Joseph is basically going to be the defensive line without Lauren around, but he's like, I am going to get fucking creamed if we don't have that beam rifle. Yeah, Joseph is doing like the, he's trying to like line himself up with the whole sacrificial sac like thing going on. And it's, he's the only guy who has the wiggle technology in the flat. <laughs> the wiggle technology. <laughs> uh, Gwyn and Horace are in the Wilgham preparing to take off they don't think the Diana counter will destroy the spaceship and the battle will end once it launches this is kind of important for like the blocking of the next scene because the first time we saw this we were a little bit confused yeah yeah I think like uh, uh, they said that uh, Diana counter wanted to capture the spaceship yeah Horace is, has this supreme faith that they wouldn't go do a war crime because it's a perfectly usable spaceship yeah, yeah they want it for themselves it? Yeah, yeah makes sense Lauren is asleep on the white doll and gets woken up by an alarm that the wads are about to attack I think it's wad arms actually uh, we got this the wrong way around yeah <laughs> it's, it's fine it's, it's, it's a whole set of the uh, of the little guys and the big guys yeah I think it's like five beach or something so yeah yep uh, the Wadoms start attacking with their cannons. The militia calls them scarecrows and they start firing at them while Fran's taking war pictures. Uh, Poe notices Lauren and wants to be humiliated for the 10th time as she rushes into battle. <laughs> <laughs> Sochi and Mishi attack Phil. He swats them away like flies because the couples are not the best built mobile suit in the world. Sochi attacks again and is about to be killed by Phil. Like, someone might finally die because of this war, but uh, a beam attack comes and saves her. She thinks it's Gavin. It was actually Lauren, because he's the only one with a beam weapon. She kind of pouts about that. But she she did call Lauren's name when she thought she was about to be killed. But, she, yeah, I think shows that she really is, like, in love with Lauren. And she's... I don't yeah. know if she realizes quite that she's doing all this to make Lauren jealous, but... She's yeah. 15. Not She's yet, 15. but yes. <laughs> yeah, she, uh, several times, like, she has been poutful that, like, Lauren has saved her, even though, like, she kind of likes him, but, like, mm. she isn't very truthful yeah. about her feelings to him, so, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of been her whole thing this time. Uh, the White Doll is getting sick headshots on all the Wadoms. Uh, tells everyone to concentrate on defending the Wilgem. Joseph pulls Corrin's club out of nowhere and goes to attack... He is immediately disarmed and kicked aside. <laughs> I'm here too. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they, I think the thing just literally like grabs the club and takes it out of his hand. it off him. Yeah. <laughs> Kids, you're gonna hurt yourself. Uh, the Wilgum starts its takeoff sequence. Mishi clotheslines one of the wads. <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> 
Lily says Gwen's one. Gwen's like, I don't know about that yet, because he's got to be all dark and mysterious. Uh, Poe attacks, but Lauren's finally getting in the defensive line with the shield to stop her. Uh, everyone calls to check because he actually gets kind of domed by this, but Lauren is like, I'm not going to do a fucking murder. I swear to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, yells he's not a tool, charges the white doll after dropping his shield and sword or a shield and rifle and chops its legs off in one shot. Yeah. He does like a double cross hand chop thing and just like with both beam sabers takes out both legs. Yeah. Just, well, I, I, I refuse to kill you, but I do need you to stop it. So <laughs> you're, you're going to take I mean, your I legs. I refuse to kill you, but I'm going to chop off the legs, which will make you drop about 30 feet straight down. So, you know. Clearly, it's fine. The, it, the dark history speaks of a hero, Yui, who fell out of a building and rolled down a hill hundreds of feet. He Sustained only fine. minor injuries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so with this... Ah, yeah. So, uh, the remaining, the only wad that's left, because they've basically all been taken down at this point, fires a ton of missiles that Lauren deflects with the spinning arm sword trick. Uh, but one of the missiles goes and hits Gavin. Sochi freaks out about this, but Lauren and Joseph manage to hold the line, and the Wilgum takes off, which basically is the the end of the battle. Yeah, you have have a scene of the Wilgum in the distance sort of trundling along. And Poe's kind of just resigned at this point. Uh, the end of the episode is basically Lauren and Gavin talking by the river. He's broken his arm. Lauren apologizes for hitting him with a stray missile, but Gavin's like, nah, it's totally fine. Uh, Lauren also says he lost control of himself. So I wonder if that'll come back. Probably not. He he just got a bit, he just got a bit mad. You you get the bloodlust and it happens. Yeah. Uh, Sochi shows up, tells Lauren that the colonel's looking for him. He asks, hey, do you got time to talk now? And she's basically like, fuck off to him. Uh, she goes and talks to Gavin. The episode ends with Lily and Gwen talking in like a bit of a depression in the field. Lily says Lauren is not an angel, but a young and beautiful but fierce panther <laughs> who might turn on Gwen someday. And Gwen's and like, fucking you bring it on. And then Lily's like, yeah, and then Gwen's like, Okay, Lily. <laughs> Very much, good. Sure. Oh, I'm going to marry you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and then the sh- the episode ends with the sh- panning back to they're actually in like the wreckage of the ship having um landed successfully knocking down several trees on and, the like, way. Creating a ditch. Yeah, kind of crash landed. Not crash landed, but like just landed and plowed a bunch of trees it just, down. It just landed. They're not really. They don't have like uh, wheels. There's no landing gears. Yeah. Any landing, yeah. you walk away from. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, that's the end of the first season. Um, where do you guys think it's gonna go? I mean, the militia and Gwyn. The moon. Well, no, but. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Gwen and the militia right. have a spaceship. Uh, they're obviously yep. going to try to go to the moon, but where do you think, like, in the interim, like, well, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think, like, Diana's going to let them go? Do you think Diana's going to uh, chill on I'm Earth? Not sure. Diana's definitely going to try, to, at least try to take her queenship back. Um, we'll see if that happens. We'll see how that goes. She's currently with Corrin right now. Yes. Yeah, so so that, God knows where that's going to end that up. That could basically go anywhere. 
Yeah, do you think? Uh, uh, I feel like Harry is also kind of a little bit in love with Keyhole, so we'll see uh, if that conflicts. She's the queen I've been worshiping all all my life, but she's actually not. So I could get with her. <laughs> hmm. I mean, I guess that brings up a good point. There's a lot of different like love triangle things going on. Like, oh yeah. So I guess we'll start with uh, that one, Harry and Keyhill. Do you think that's going anywhere? Do you think that's got to be a problem with her trying to puppet rule the moon people? I I think it's gonna go somewhere. I think the problem is gonna come when like Diana tries to be queen again, and Harry has to basically choose between. Hmm. Like mm. being loyal to his queen or being with Keyhill. I mm. think that's going to be an issue. Certainly see that happening. It's not like he can run off with Keelheim, you know? <laughs> Meanwhile. I think Sochi's going to have a great time and nothing bad's going to happen. <laughs> <to Sochi. laughs> right the the yeah, love dodecahedron yeah. that is like centered on Lauren right now, oh, that's not going to collapse in on itself. <laughs> yeah, because Lauren like has Keyhill, Diana, and Sochi. So, 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 Ty, you're saying that the Goonie family is going to have a very long, prosperous career. Or like, <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah. Better get into the Goonies now. Better get, <laughs> better get grabbed by the Goonies now, because it's folks down the line. That's all there's going to be. Nothing yep, Goonies. Nothing all right, so she is not going to be a widow. <laughs> no, no, I. I love my favorite two anime characters, Sochi and Goonie, who are a pair and are inseparable. And it would be a shame if they were ever to be separated. Anything was to happen. Oh, I love Full Metal Alchemist and this character that is both of a daughter and a dog separately. I love them. I would hate to see anything happen to them. I love how separate they are, how much they are separately a dog and daughter. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, well, next time, episodes 26 to uh, uh, 29, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Turn A. It's good shit, so I'll see you next time. Space anime. Bye-bye.